the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. To make sure it's pure, to make sure that you're doing it without bitterness and, and, and sin in your life and you're remembering him and you're not doing it to get saved, you're not doing it to stay saved, you're doing it because you are saved. All right, that, that's all the communion part. Watch this. But you're doing it with one another with thinking, I ought not to take communion if I know a brother has something against me that I haven't at least tried to make it right. And, uh, and, and so now you've got a fractured body here. So part of the communion here is to make sure that you preserve the community of the redeemed and their relationships with one another because that's the strength. That's where the power of the Holy Spirit can now flow through. The clog is when there's sin in the camp, one person's life or multiple people because bitterness then uh, defiles many. If you've got that going on, then the Spirit, the work mostly is just convicting, convicting, convicting and it's not able to do the empowering yet until there's a full yieldedness. And so this is all part of doing our home homework and house cleaning and relationship upwards. So worship, I've got to get right for worship making sure it's right, breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. And I like verse 47, praising God, praising God. One commentator said this, he said, the praising God was telling God what God has already done for them, watch this, historically. So you could go all the way back to what God did for us historically, take it all the way back to the garden. You know, take it all the way back to last week. What has he done for you? How has God really worked in your life? And you're going to talk to God about what he has done for you historically. It could be outward things he's done. It could be inward things he's done. That would be like peace and joy and a sense of place with God. Or it could be outwardly where you had a particular need. You told no one about it. You went to the Lord and boom, it was right there. Amazing. Absolutely amazing how God can take you. Praise Him. So we'll talk about that. It was a church that was really praising the Lord. But notice, and this is so cool. This is cool. Watch this. Notice when it said, and having favor with all the people. It happened after all these other things were done. They're now praising the Lord. The result was they had favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were to be saved. To me, that is huge. It's like they're talking to the Lord, having communion, eating together, worshiping the Lord. The whole context has prayer in there numbers of times. All of that is an upward relationship. But then while that's happening, while they're doing and while they're worshiping, there was a great favor placed upon them by the Lord, and people were watching that. How beautiful that is. Let me ask you a personal question. Have you ever been in a church or attended a church, or maybe both, when you went in there and you just felt like you could cut the atmosphere with a knife, when you knew there was something wrong here. Would you raise your hand if you experienced that? Okay. And how long did you want to stay there? 
Some of it you felt like I had to because there's no other place or whatever. But for the most part, did you stay very long there? I won't ask you to raise your hand on this one, but how many of you have finally said, you know what, it's not healthy for me or my family to remain in an environment when there's people who won't talk to one another, when people won't minister to one another, when there's a lot of this kind of marginalization going on. And you finally said, you know what, they hardly want to, they, they leave as soon as the service is over. And you said, you know, I, I, I can't be a part of the solution and I don't want to continue being a part of the problem and I need a place that's healthier. How many of you have left to re-engage at a healthier place? Don't raise your hand. And you've done that. And that's why it's important that churches are healthy. So it's not about the building necessarily. It's not about the music necessarily. It's not about the kind of chairs you have necessarily. It is all about are these things manifested in your life? And if they are, watch this, if, in your li- if they are, if it's in your life, 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 it'll be in the church's life. And if it's in the church's life, then it'll be in the church's life. And then look what God will do on the beautiful island of Oahu. And it could start with us. Well, here's the last one. It was expanded through outreach. And the key word there is penetration. And the other is power and prayer and praise. But this one is penetration. It was expanded through outreach. And verse 47, it's kind of odd how it says it here. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, when you read that, you can go way off the deep end and you can have the position of saying, look, what God did, all these people got saved. See, God is the one who does all of this. And you know what? When I look and I hear you say that, I'm saying you're 50% right. No, I don't, don't put too much on percentages, but I think you know what I'm saying. It is God who had to do it. It is a sovereign will of God that he is anointing his word. He's bringing about the conviction. He is blessing that faith family. He entrusts that group of people with baby Christians that are going to do all sorts of baby Christian stuff so that they could then grow. So he is now adding to, he is doing that sovereignly. But no one can get saved unless they call upon the name of the Lord. No one can come to faith in the Lord unless they hear the clear presenta- clear and correct presentation of the gospel, often compassionately and courageously and certainly consistently. And if that is happening, then that person who hears that is the one who then must trust Christ as Savior. And when that happens, that person becomes a believer and that person is then added to the church daily. So it requires, sure, the sovereignty of God. He paid the price. He did all the work. He commissioned all of us. He empowers us. He gave us the message. He gave us the command. But we still have to respond to all of that of God to happen. So it's not all of man and it's not all and only of God. It's God doing this and we partnering with him through his mechanism for his glory and he will add to the church such as being saved. And so again, if we want our church to grow, it's going to mean for us to reach out to those people that are on the outside, build an appropriate relationship with them, going the extra mile, however long it takes, and then letting God bring conviction to them, having them here perhaps even through our own lips after they've seen it in our own life, the precious message of salvation by faith alone in Jesus Christ. It may be for some that it's a gospel track we hand out. It could be for some that we are going to invite them to be a part of this church so they can actually see a larger group so it's not just one guy on the corner that says that to them and how rich that is. Well, let me end by giving you some little action steps here. Last week we talked about if I'm going to take home an action point from this passage, I want, I want to enhance my walk with the Lord. So I want to love the Word of God 
Again, let me encourage you all to get your own Bible, bring your Bible to church. Yeah, I'll have the scripture on the screen often. We have the Bible read to you. We have them in the pews, but have your own Bible. If you can't afford a Bible, would you just take a Bible that's in the chair? Maybe not so much on the chair of somebody else's with their name on it, but take one that's under the chair there. Take it home with you and you're not stealing it. It is our gift to you. And we don't, we're just sorry we didn't have time to wrap it up and put your name on it. It's yours. But I don't want you to just have a Bible. I want you to take God's word and I want you to read it. The richness of God's word. And when you come across a passage you don't understand, write down the passage. Write down your question. And then call Pastor Dennis about 2 o'clock in the morning when he's home (laughs) and ask him that question. You can call me. If you're a lady, you can call her. It doesn't mean we have all the answers. In fact, it's never a, a sin for you to be asked a question you can't answer the first time. It's the second time that becomes a problem. Because once you're asked it, go get the answer. So, love the word. Second, will your commitment be, I will engage my relationships. I will truly love others. Sometimes it's to confront. Sometimes it's to finally just forgive. Sometimes it's to, uh, after you've been hurt so much, sometimes you have to be a little risk-taking in it. But you want to engage relationships. Some of you that says, I I got so involved in my, my last church, so I've come to this church to heal. And then you spend years and 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 years healing. It just, it just doesn't work. You've probably seen my sweet wife with a cane. Uh, you already know about her other health issues. I don't want to get into that. But she, she, she's got something in her knee going on. And the, all the doctors she's gone to says it's, uh, it's a little bit of arthritis. And you don't want to say that to a, <clears throat> my sweet wife. You know, arthritis. She has, you know, only some kind of people get that. You know? And now they got her on a cane. And now she's going to physical therapy. But I'm saying that to say this, that with that therapy, she's able to re- do her leg more now and do all of this. I told her she's going to do backflips off her back lanai into the backyard soon. But you have to get out there and you have to engage and you have to follow. You have to be a part of these kinds of things. And so let me encourage you to love the word, love one another. And then thirdly, is your commitment. I will enlarge my work. I'm going to love those who have a need. Now, needs could be anything from a basic need of life. We've talked about that. Start there. To maybe the need could be to maybe do some babysitting so a couple could have a date night. Maybe another need might be for you to perhaps teach a class, volunteer in the nursery. Come up here to the praise team. They'll all tell you that they don't have a great voice. They just have a great God and a great song in their heart, and they're going to sing it the best they know how. You could do that. You could do that. Get involved in the work. See where it might be. Nothing excites me more when I see on our work parties, often when fathers and sons will bring their sons here. I've seen that happen a lot. And they're just kind of immersed in all of that, how joy it is. I love it. I love it. You mothers and daughters and families, these single parents doing such a great job. But enlarge your work. Stretch yourself. Do a little bit more. Number four, I will enrich my worship. I will love the Lord. First thing you might want to do is to make sure that you are a blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ. If you want to worship the Lord, what He really wants from you is to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And to do it in truth, then you have to believe that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's nobody who will come unto the Father except through Him. So if you want to worship the Father, you've got to go through Jesus. And the way you go through Jesus is by trusting Him as the Lord who died and rose again. And it's not based on your works. You come just as you are a sinner. He then forgives you. You know He's the one who will forgive you of everything you've done wrong. You're trusting in Him. He's granted you mercy and grace. Now you can go to the Father. 
and the whole Trinity in appropriate worship. You married people, shut the TV off once in a while and just have an old-fashioned worship the Lord time together. You families, while you're having your quiet time, don't do the obligatory family devotions unless it's really in your heart. I know it's important to do the habits. And the habits, sometimes you do your work in the Lord, your thoughts will be established. But sometimes we get so parked on the habits that we forget the person for whom we're doing this. So really, do it to Him. Worship Him. And then lastly, I'll expand my witness. I put down here, love the nations. Love the nations. I, we are so blessed to have the finest missionaries I think churches could have. There's not a, a, rummy, or there's not a, a low water point of any of our missionaries. They are sacrificing. They are serving. They're faithful to the Lord. They're faithful to the word. They're faithful to their marital vows. If they're single, they're faithful to purity. They are faithful to God. And you know what? Just think for a moment. We are holding the line for them. The stronger we are, the stronger we can hold them. And if God prospers us, we can give more to them. And God will prosper us, maybe not so much through more money, but maybe through more people. If everybody gave a quarter, we might be able to give more. If we had a thousand people giving a quarter, we could give more. You see what I'm saying? If we do that, we, and then all of a sudden we say, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we got 14 missionaries and four or five different organizations. Maybe we could have 15 missionaries, 16 missionaries, 17 missionaries. We could really take this thing because we've got something that the world needs, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We could really do that. So maybe ask yourself, what could you do? You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that next week is Easter. We've got two services and a killer breakfast. Not that it'll kill a breakfast, but it's a great breakfast. What an opportunity to bring people to Kakaako Park. What a great opportunity to bring me. Don't judge the length of our service, the quality of our music, or what our parking lot looks like. What you want to do to say before the Lord is, I know the word of God is taught here and I want them to hear it and I'm going to trust the word and God to work in their life and I'm going to bring them here. And I'm going to tell you when you do, I promise, just like you like this church because you were loved on, they will be loved on as well and you will hear a clear, concise, practical message of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and why we'll give our life for that. So you invite your friends to something like it. I want to close now with this last story and then we are going to close. Um, I often don't like to read a lot because um, it's, it gets laborious. This one will take me a minute or two, maybe a little, maybe a little longer to read. I picked this up from a, a philosopher. His name is Aristides. Aristides. This is a guy that lived in the second century A.D. I don't know whether he was a believer or not. It's all over the map when you try to figure out what is his background. But what I'm about to read to you in my notes was his observation of the New Testament church. Now, it was second century, so it was only about a hundred years or so after the New Testament church was born. I like it because it was only a hundred years because it tells us what the New Testament church looked in the midst of the heat of the battle of persecution in cultures that were just widespread. It wasn't just Jerusalem by then. It was spread out, and he was witnessing the church as much as he could see it. The second thing is I like that it was long enough because it wasn't like, you know how you have a new church, it starts up, it lasts for a half a year, two years, maybe and it fizzles out. This was watching this church grow and not survive but to thrive, and he is observing it. And here's what he observed. Whether he's saved or not, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, if you're asking me, does the model that we just learned for the last nine or ten weeks, this model, does it really work? So I'm not reading scripture now. I'm reading an observation of real-life people just like you who have the same isms and spasms of life. And here's what he wrote. 
Please listen carefully. He says, Now the Christians, O king, by going about and seeking, have found the truth. For they know and trust in God, the maker of heaven and earth. From him they receive those commandments which they have engraved on their minds in which they observe in the hope and expectation of the world to come. For this reason, they do not commit adultery or immorality. They do not bear false witness or embezzle, nor do they covet what is not theirs. They honor father and mother and do good to those who are their neighbors. Whenever they are judges, they judge uprightly. They do not worship idols made in the image of man. Whatever they do not wish that others should do to them, they in turn do not do. And they do not eat the food sacrificed to idols. Those who oppress them, they exhort and make them their friends. They do good to their enemies. Their wives, O king, are pure as virgins, and their daughters are modest. The men abstain from all unlawful sexual contact and from impurity in the hope of recompense that is to come in another world, special rewards. As for their servants and the servants' children, if there are any, they persuade them to become Christians. And when they have done so, they cease calling them servants. They call them brethren, and that without distinction. They refuse to worship strange gods, and they go their way in all humility and cheerfulness. That's interesting. I know humble people, but they're not very cheerful. I know cheerful people, they're not always very humble. It says, falsehood is not, fa- falsehood is not found among them. They love one another. The widow's needs are not ignored. And they rescue the orphan from the person who does not honor them. In fact, who does them violence. He who has gives to him who has not, ungrudgingly and without boasting. When the Christians find a stranger, they bring him into their homes and rejoice over him as a true brother. They do not call brothers those who are bound by blood ties alone, kind of like Ohana, but those who are brethren after the Spirit and in God. When one of their poor passes away from the world, each provides for his burial according to his ability. If they hear of any of their number who are imprisoned or oppressed for the name of the Messiah, they all provide for his needs. And if it is possible to redeem him, they will set that prisoner free. If they find poverty in their midst, they do not have spare food. Excuse me. If they, have, if they find poverty in their midst and they do not have spare food, they fast two or three days in order that they might give to the needy. They observe scrupulously the commandments of their Messiah, living honestly and soberly as the Lord God ordered them. Every morning and every hour, they praise and thank God for his goodness to them. And for their food and drink, they offer thanksgiving. If any righteous person of their number passes away from the world, they rejoice and thank God and escort his body as if it were setting out from one place to another nearby. When a child is born to one of them, they praise God. If it dies in infancy, they thank God even more as for one who has passed through this world without sins. Such, O king, is the commandment given to the Christians, and such is their conduct. I wonder if someone who is well-respected would write that of us. I pray so. Let's pray, shall we? We have come so far, brothers and sisters, and I'm so grateful. And yet when I see things like this, I think, oh, you need a better pastor. We have so far to go yet. 
But that's where God, who is rich in mercy and grace, will lead us and guide us. Where he's an omnipotent God and Christ lives in us the hope of glory. And as we allow him to live out through us, these things are extremely doable. And do it consistently. But now my call and petition is one that's really from the Lord. He's willing that none should perish. And now maybe you're part of those that will come to faith in Christ. And I pray that today is the day. I pray that wherever you are listening to my voice, whether here or in the car on the radio or in front of your computer or on our website, wherever you might be listening to this right now, that you will be thinking about where you are. If you were to die today, do you know absolutely for certain that you would go to be with the Lord forever and ever in heaven, a place of eternal bliss with Him? If you are not absolutely certain of having eternal life, it's quite possible that you you don't. But the Lord doesn't want to leave you in that query. So right now, He wants you to know that Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died there and He rose again for the full payment for sin and it satisfied God the Father when God the Son did that. So the payment was satisfied once and for all and never had to be done again. And so now he offers to you the free, full forgiveness of all your sin. And you don't come to him promising him that you'll start something or stop something. You don't come to him doing some form of of a changed life, whether it's religious or social. You come to him just as you are a sinner, desperately in need of a savior. And when you humble yourself like that, the Lord just so much wants to forgive you. And he does when you simply place your faith in him. Oh, my dear friend, please do that now for none of us, you nor I know, when our heart is going to beat its last beat. Please, would you trust Christ as your Savior? He's done everything to bring you the message after he's done everything he's done to pay the price so you can have that eternal life. He is now telling you the truth. You're sensing your need, but you must be the one to step over that line by placing your faith in him and him alone. Now, it's not even so much of a prayer as much as it is a genuine, complete mental transaction where you move beyond just knowing this to be true, but then actually relying upon Christ completely as your Savior. If you're doing that, I would like to pray for you. Now, I'm going to pray for you. That's not going to help you get into heaven or get your sins forgiven, but it gives me an opportunity to love you through prayer and for you an opportunity to know that For the first time, you're having someone pray for you the moment you've trusted Christ as your Savior. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you walk an aisle. I am going to have you slip up your hand in a moment, so I'll at least know that you did. But when you do, I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to mention your name in my prayer. I'm not going to do any way to embarrass you. Yes, go public with your faith, but do that on your time. Jesus says this, believe it in your heart. It's inside right now. That's what gets you saved. So is there anyone in here that's ready now to place their faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord who died and rose again, knowing that that faith in him, as small as it might be, is still in him and him alone without anything else coming to the cross. You're trusting Christ. And if you'd like for me to pray for you with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all that today you're trusting Christ? You're doing it now. Okay, Christians... This is an opportunity, too, for you to do a little bit of an inventory. Can we all take a baby step? Is there something you can stretch a little bit more in? Is it going to be in your time in the Word? 
Is it going to be in your relationships with others? Is it going to be in your service and work to do ministry to other people? Is it going to be in your worship? Will it be in your outreach? Where can you go a little bit step further? Is there anything you need to do to clean up from the past? So you can get started again for the future. Is there something you can do? I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. But I want you to know that our template is not going to be something found in some vinyl notebook I have in my office. The template is not going to be found in the most popular book that was written, often by godly people. But it will be found in the inerrant word of God as it comes with a power source, Jesus Christ, that never goes dead. Is there anyone in here that would like to have prayer because God spoke to you through this series and you're sensing that you're ready now for your next step forward with God and you'd like for me to remember you in prayer? Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? Our gracious Heavenly Father, it's not whether we raise a hand, fill out a card. It is, though, where you're going to look at our heart. And if we're going to sense that, wow, we're doing all we can do. This is the best we can do, Lord, no more. Then, Lord, if that's true, then that's where we are. We need to do more than, Lord, lovingly, graciously, mercifully, just nudge us a little bit. Let us know how to step forward for you. Father, we magnify you. We love you, Father. Thank you for this great church and what it's been doing, what I know it can do, as I yield to you and you work through us all. Father, I pray this in your name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.